Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Before we get today's program started, I do want to give you a heads up about the Christmas programming that we will be bringing you next week. The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio will be featuring Christmas episodes of Yours Truly Johnny Dollar, Dangerous Assignment, Mr. Chameleon, and Dragnet. And then encore episodes on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. In addition, I'll be taking part in a round-robin Christmas crossover with three other old-time radio podcast hosts. Next week, I will be a guest on Classic Comedy of Old Time Radio with Ron Echelbarger, Old Time Radio Westerns with Andrew Rines, and I Love Old Time Radio with Penny. Then over on the Amazing World of Radio, you will have three special Christmas episodes on Tuesday, Thursday, and on Sunday, Christmas Eve. And on the Old Time Radio Snack Wagon, we'll actually be taking the wagon out three days next week. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over at snackwagon.net. So we've got a lot of great programs coming up next week, so be sure and check them out. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, and we're beginning this week's Johnny Dollar Serial. Now, as a reminder, we are going to play episodes one and two today. If you are minded to listen to the complete serial together, then I would encourage you to wait till Friday and pause this episode, and then on Friday, you can listen to episodes one and two, and three and five, right back to back. Now, I do want to say before we play this, that this is an interesting serial, in that I believe it was the last Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial to become fully available. Now, while we do have four serials that are missing episodes, Jerry Hendigas, on his website at otrsite.com had episode 5 of the Sea Legs Matter listed as a lost episode. And with these five-part serials, not having a part 5 essentially ruins the story. By the time that got into listening to these in the mid to late 2000s, it had been completed. But this was the one that for so many years you couldn't really listen to in a complete fashion. So now from July 30th and 31st of 1956, here is the Sea Legs Matter Episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Hi, Johnny. Say, didn't you tell me one time that you're quite a nut about fishing? What's that? Pat McCracken at Universal Adjustment Bureau. Doggone it, you know you spiked my plans for a fishing trip just a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. All right. What's on your mind? Big fish. Real big fish. You ever hear of Douglas R. Lanfear? Uh, millionaire playboy, sportsman, yachtsman? That's the one. Well, didn't I read somewhere that yeah, he was... Yeah, you sure did, Johnny, at the bottom of the deep blue sea. And a $400,000 claim has been filed. You interested? An expense account based on that will be a pleasure. 
Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Sea Legs matter. Expense account item one, 90 cents. Taxi from my apartment to the offices of Universal Adjustment where Pat McCracken was waiting for me with a handful and a headful of information. Two claims, Johnny, both filed by Constance Lansphere, the wife. Here are copies of them. How come two, Pat? Well, number one is against Douglas Landfair's life policy with Greater Southwest Life and Casualty Insurance Company, $250,000. Uh-huh. What's the other? $150,000 International Maritime Organization for the loss of the Landfair yacht. 400000 claims. That's right. Okay, what's the story? Well, Landfair was making a trip along the coast of Central America in his yacht, the Sea Legs. He ran onto a rock or something, the boat sank, and he and his crew of one went down with her. Well, do you have any reason to question the uh, validity of the claim by Mrs. Lanfear? Two and a half years ago, Lanfear himself filed a claim with International Maritime. It seems he lost a power cruiser in exactly the same place, near the Boldaro Islands off the coast of Nicaragua. $85,000. Total loss? Happened in a spot where not one bit of the wreck could be salvaged. Oh, where'd you learn that? Local authorities in this small Nicaraguan seaport, and Mrs. Lanfear, she was with him on that trip. But she wasn't with him on this one, aboard the Sea Lakes. No, or presumably she wouldn't be around to file the claim. Uh-huh. Where's Constant Lanfear now, Pat? Home, as far as I know, lives on their small estate on Long Island out near the town of Kachog. You want to call her, talk to her? No. I think I'll go down there. Item two, 2120, fare and miscellaneous to Kachog, Long Island. Item three, a buck even for a taxi from the little station to the Lanfear estate. Estate, did you call it, mister? Well, isn't it? Well, it used to be, before the land fear sold off a lot of it. Well, that's so? Yeah, I guess there wasn't nothing else they could do to keep up with that high way of living. Keep talking, fella. Well, the old man, Lanfear's father-in-law, well, he had plenty, I guess. But after he died, all the kids seemed to do was spend it. Uh, you know what I mean? Fancy yachts, lots of polo playing, Florida in the winter, Maine in the summer, all that sort of thing. Oh, there's a place now, right up ahead there on the right. I looked, and what I saw apparently bore out what the taxi driver had said. A big stone wall surrounded what had evidently been the original, rather vast property belonging to the estate. Square in the middle of it sat what was probably once called a mansion. But small, new, modern homes were crowding in on the old house. Hello. Mrs. Lanfear? That's right. I'm Johnny Dollar. I'm representing the Universal Adjustment Bureau in Hartford. Oh, yes, of course. In connection with the insurance. Yes, ma'am. Well, won't you come in, please? Right in here, Mr. Dollar. And do pardon the looks of the place. I'm afraid I've neglected things somewhat since... Well, s- sit down, please. Thank you. I, uh... I hope you don't mind answering a few questions, Mrs. Lanfear. But since you've already filed claims on the insurance policies, well, I'll try to be as brief as possible. 
I don't want to seem cold-blooded about it, Mr. Dollar, but the initial shock of losing Doug and the loss of the yacht has passed. There's nothing to be gained in just sitting around feeling sorry for myself, particularly in view of the day-to-day problems I have to face. What uh, problems, Mrs. Lanfear? To be perfectly blunt about it, financial mostly. Well, I, I must say your attitude is very commendable. It's a necessary attitude under the circumstances. Now, what may I tell you? If you're sure you don't mind talking about it, I'd like to know all I can about the circumstances surrounding the sinking of the yacht. Well, I don't quite know how to start. We were on a... Well, just a pleasure cruise. You were along on this trip? Yes. That is, up until... Until the day it happened. Oh, why did Doug ever have to... I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar. Well, we were just taking our time cruising south along the east coast of Central America, doing a little fishing. We'd often taken the sea legs down there. That's the yacht? Yes, a motor sailor. Here, on the wall. This is a picture of her. That's Doug on deck. Oh. Isn't she beautiful? 68 feet overall, 20-foot beam, solid teak decking, everything. Yes, that is a good-looking boat. Terrible to lose something as nice as that, isn't it? Uh, yes, yes. Anyhow, along the coast of Nicaragua, Doug decided to put in at San Juan del Perro. That's uh, where the sea legs had originally been built. But the sandbar formations have almost ruined San Juan as a port, so we went on up to Bluefields. Oh, yes, I understand that's now the best seaport on the Caribbean side of Nicaragua. You know that country down there? Only from what I've read. Oh. Uh, but go on, please. Well, while we were there, he had some work done on our radio equipment. We'd had trouble with it on the way down. Uh Uh-huh. When the work was finished, of course, he wanted to try it out. He'd found a radio amateur in Puerto Gardo, so he asked me to stay on shore while he and the skipper went out to sea. We kept in contact every few minutes while he headed her out toward the Boldero Islands. The Boldero Islands. Isn't that where you lost a power cruiser a couple of years ago? Yes, the Connie O, named after me, and I begged him not to go out there again. Why, Mrs. Lanfear? Because of the treacherous currents between the two little islands, the great deep that lies between them, a terribly dangerous spot with pinnacles of rock that reach up almost to the surface. Well, why did he go out there again? To prove a point. That's all, to prove a point. Look, I'm afraid I don't follow you. Doug had blamed the loss of the Carneo two years before on poor seamanship by the man at the wheel. He wanted to prove that he could take a boat through there safely. Oh. Kind of looks like he was wrong, doesn't it? His last words over the radio were that a rock had torn the bottom out of the sea lakes. Oh, Mr. Dollar, before the signal stopped, I could hear the crunching of the hull and the sound of the waters that swept in and over it. It was terrible. You sent someone out there right away, of course. Yes, but it was no use. The sea lakes was gone. And with it went my husband. And the man with him. And the, uh... The bodies were never recovered. Before... When we lost the Kaneo, we had time to put on life preservers, launch the small boat. I must admit, I wondered how it was. But when the sea legs went down, there wasn't time, and I could hear it over the radio, and it was terrible, it was terrible. I'm sorry. It's all right. I'm all right, Johnny. Mr. Dollar? I, uh, I may have to go down there, Mrs. Lanfear, and go through the motions of an investigation, you know. But then you'll... Uh... Your companies will pay the claims. I sort of see no reason now. Why not? It's 
terrible to have to be so frank about it. But I do need the money, Johnny. I was telling the truth. I didn't see any reason why the claim shouldn't be paid. Perhaps Connie Lanfear's explanation of why she wasn't grieving over the loss of her husband was true. But more than once, I wondered if she weren't far more concerned over the loss of the yacht or about how soon she could collect on the policies. Then that deliberate slip in starting to call me by my first name. Just what are your plans, Mrs. Lanfear? The plans, Johnny? I, I don't quite know what you mean. Well, suppose the companies make prompt payment on these claims. That'll mean $400,000. Well, really, Mr. Dollar, aren't you overstepping bounds a little bit? Maybe. But if it'll make you feel any better, or if it'll help to hasten the settlement, I'll tell you. I'll sell what is left of this property and leave the country. Leave for where? Somewhere in Europe on the continent. Alone? I beg you. Of course, alone. Sorry, I just wondered. Doug and I were too close to even think of my having boyfriends or whatever you want to call it. The more I think about it, the more I resent that question. No particular implication meant, Mrs. Lanford. Next thing, you'll start implying that the sea legs wasn't wrecked at all, that Doug is still alive somewhere. And that if you can't dig them up out of the sea, your precious companies can somehow contrive to keep the money that is rightfully mine. Can get out of paying off on what I thought was a legitimate... The more she talked, the more I became convinced that something was very wrong about this case. I let her vent her fury on me. It was simulated fury, I thought. Then I called the taxi again and left. Oh, no, sir, mister. You're all wrong. Them land fears, they were as thick as two peas in a pod. Say, tell me, did you ever notice any particular friends either of them may have had? Well, they was always throwing them big parties. That's what you mean. Big society-type brawls. No, no, I was thinking of girlfriends for him or boyfriends for her. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. He was her, she was his, and no playing around. Not like most people in that set. And I know. <laughs> I know everything goes on in cut chalk. Back in New York, I found that the best immediate routing to Nicaragua was by plane to Dallas, then to Mexico City, and finally to Managua on the West Coast. I made a reservation on the Dallas plane immediately, that's item four, and then spent a dollar forty, that's item five, on a phone call to Pat McCracken back in Hartford. Well, sure, Johnny, if you think it's important enough, you have my full permission. Yeah, I've already made my reservation for the first leg of the trip. Well, now, don't go overboard on the expense account. Pat, how you talk. But you really smell a rat, huh? Well, look, according to report, the land fears were real buddy-buddy. She loved him, he loved her. Yet only a couple of weeks after his death, she's a lot more concerned over the loss of their boat than she is over him. Oh? You think perhaps... I don't know what to think. Meantime, if you can afford it, why don't you have somebody keep a check on her? Well, sure, Johnny, but with what specifically in mind? I don't know. After all, I didn't have any real concrete reason for feeling that this case was fishy... It was more a hunch than anything else, but a real strong one. And I felt that after my visit to her, Connie Lanfear would do something, just what I hadn't the least idea. But whatever it was, I wanted to know about it. It was a couple of hours later that I started to pick up the telephone to order a cab to the airport. Johnny Dollar. This is Pat again, Johnny. Oh, hi. I ordered a man to keep tabs on Connie Lanfear. Good. It's your old friend, Detective Randy Singer. Fine. Hey, but you know what? What? She seems to have left town in a hurry. No trace. Uh-oh. You still going to Nicaragua? Yeah, but keep looking for her. Right. Expense account item 6, 475. Taxi and tip to LaGuardia Field, where my ticket and seat reservation were waiting for me. 
Within a few minutes, I was comfortably ensconced in my seat by the window. The passenger door was closed, and the big plane's engines were warming up for the trip to Dallas. Then suddenly, the cabin door opened again. A feminine figure skipped lightly in and plunked herself down on the seat next to mine. Well, how nice. Mrs. Lanfair. Surprise, Johnny? Johnny Dollar. Here's your call to Hartford, Mr. Dollar. Go ahead, please. Hello? Pat McCracken. What'd you get me out of bed for this time? I'm calling from the airport in Dallas. Does that mean you're going on to Nicaragua? Yep. All right, then I know why you're calling. The answer's no. We still haven't found any trace of Constance Lanfear. So why don't you come on back here and start from scratch? Because I have found some trace of Connie Lanfear. Oh, it's Connie now, huh? It sure is, brother. And what's that supposed to mean? Pat, she just happened to occupy a seat aboard the plane right next to mine. Look, Johnny, why don't you work on the facts of the case for a change instead of on the woman involved? Patrick, ever hear of killing two birds with one stone? From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Bluefields, Nicaragua, to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an accounting of expenses incurred during my investigation of the sea legs matter. Expense account item 8, 525, late supper at the Dallas airport for Connie and myself during the wait for our midnight plane to Mexico City, which we finally boarded and which finally took off. And on this trip, I learned no more, no less from Connie than I had on the flight from New York to Dallas. For instance... Doug and I were so close, in everything. Same friends, the same interests. That's why we always took the long yachting trips together. Did everything together. As a matter of fact, I felt that her somewhat overdone assurances of how much she loved her late husband could have been to throw off any suspicion I might have that she'd done him in. Another, for instance. I still can't get over the coincidence of our both deciding to go to Nicaragua at the same time. But believe me, Johnny, Mr. Dollar, I'm just as anxious to clear up this whole thing as you are. The more I thought about it, the more certain I was that it was not just coincidence that had put her on the same plane with me, and the more leery I felt. I know the country so well, too. I think I told you the Sea Legs was built in a small shipyard in San Juan del Paro. That's south of Bluefields. Yeah, that's at the lower end of the East Coast, isn't it? You do know something about Nicaragua, don't you? Oh, uh, only what I've seen on the maps. Oh. Well, let's see. We can get a plane from Managua to the East Coast? Oh, yes. Nicaragua boasts two or three commercial airlines. I'm sure at least one of them makes a direct flight to Bluefields. Uh, That's where we put in with the sea legs, you know, before... Before she was... Before the beautiful thing went down between those awful Boldero Islands... And took your husband with her. Oh, yes. Poor Doug. There it was again. More apparent concern over the loss of the sea legs than over the husband she claimed to have loved so much. And still no explanation of why she decided to go back to Nicaragua. Her decision must have been sudden, too, right after I'd seen her at her home on Long Island. From Mexico City, we took a deluxe four-engine plane to Managua. 
But the last leg to the city of Bluefields was in a two-engine something that looked like war surplus tied together with bailing wire. At midnight, we signed into the Providencia Hotel and after a hearty meal, retired to our respective rooms to make up for lost sleep. I had not planned to wake up at 6 a.m., but fate decreed otherwise. Hey, uh, what? Ha-ha, you're feeling bad. Yeah, sure. Just a minute, I'll get up and open the door. Uh, no, 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 do not disturb yourself, dear sir. Huh? There, you see, there was no need to disturb yourself. Well, now, just a minute, who are you? Oscar Patrick Vladimir Poschiaro. At your service. Oscar Patrick, what? Hey, you, my dear Mr. Dollar, may just call me Oscar, now that we are working together. Working together? Whatever you... Welcome to Nicaragua. And no matter what your needs, I, Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pesquero, will provide them for you. Uh, For a small financial pittance, of course. (laughs) Here, let me straighten your pillow. Hey, look, wait. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where did you get the key you just used to open this door? (laughs) As you can see, Mr. Dollar, I am prepared for everything. That is why I can be of such unestimable service to you. Oh, now, who the devil is that? The breakfast I ordered for you, of course. Ah, here, my good man. I will take the tray. Ah, 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 ah. You may collect the tips some other time. Get lost. Is this a gag of some kind? Mr. Dollar, how can you say such a thing after I just saved you paying that menial servant a big tip? Uh, here now. Uh, tomato juice, orange juice, cream, chippy fun, toast, oh, eggs, benedict, lamb chops, scrambled eggs, little sausages, toast, honey, jam, and coffee. You expect me to eat all of that? If I am to be of help to you in this important campaign, I must keep my strength up. Oh, I beg your pardon. And at my expense, of course. Of course. After all, nowhere else in Central America can you get such invaluable help as I can give you. Yeah, well, just what gives you the idea I may need your help? Aha, a good question. Oh, here, let me prop you up on your pillow so that you can enjoy this delectable food. I see. There you are. Oh, now the cheap beef and toast. It doesn't look so good this morning, so I shall take that. And the lamb chops. Oscar, will you please... Uh, now, to business. While you enjoy your breakfast, that is. No, 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 please don't wait for me, Mr. Dollar. Look, to begin with, how did you know my name? Ha! Easy. You signed the hotel register. Okay, but then how did you and know... who has not heard of the famous freelancing insurance instigator with such a lovely, big, fat expense account, huh? Lucky man. Ah. So that's what appealed to you. Yeah, of course. And who am I, Oscar Patrick Vladimir Vladimir Exactly. Who am I that I shouldn't learn a couple of tricks or two from such a great man? Oh, brother, it seems to me you've learned plenty already. Thank you. And that is why I shall be of such magnitudinous assistance to you in the Seelig's matter. For a pittance, you understand. (laughs) Say, a hundred dollars a day. (laughs) How about ten? Ninety. Twenty, then. Seventy. Forty? Maybe thirty. Uh, fifty? Maybe twenty a day and not one penny more. <laughs> Sorry, Oscar, but you are not hired. Oh, Mr. Dollar, you bleed me to the quick. How else could you solve this case without me? Do you really know something about the sea legs? And how did you know I came here to investigate it? In the second place, what else will such a distinguished instigator be doing than the case of the American boat lost in the Buldara Islands, especially coming here with Mrs. Lanthier? All right, go on. And in the first place, because I know all about it. All right, all right, Oscar, tell me this. Do you think there's anything phony about the loss of the sea legs? I am sure of it. It was a crime of the first and second water. Why? Because you are here. Oh, you can do better than that. All right, 
because I am always sure there is something crooked going on until the guilty ones are proved otherwise or until the innocent ones are proved whatever is left, which is besides the point because I was sure of it in the first place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, the first thing for you to do is make a trip to Portogado. The last point of contact with the sea legs before she was wrecked. Exactly. I have a plane ready and waiting for your own personal use. A plane? Yeah. How else? 150 miles by ox cart? Or, or, or both? Well, no, no, no. First, however, I'd like to contact the authorities here in Bluefields. Whee, what do the authorities know about crime? Me, I know all about it. Yeah, I'm beginning to think you do, Oscar. Too much, probably. Thank you, Mr. Dollar. I respect your high opinion of myself. All right. I don't know yet what your racket is, but... <laughs> that I can make plain to you in two words. Money. Okay, look. If you can get me a small plane... Here, good, sir, is the address to give to the taxi driver when you are ready to go to the airfield, where I shall be waiting for you. Oh? Not the big airport? No, 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 no. That is where the lady, Mrs. Lanther, would expect you to look for transportation. Oscar, you are the craziest. Thank you. I, I, I knew you wouldn't want her coming along, and if she ever gets in your way during your campaign... You'll keep her out of my way. Yes. At my expense. What else? I'll tell you something, Oscar. If there is a wrong angle to this case, I can't help wondering if she isn't a part of it. You read my mind. You see, we are like brothers under the chin. You say you have a plane all ready to go, A huh? charter plane. Then we can be on our way before Mrs. Lamphere knows we've left. Hey, you want to set the tray over there so I can get up? Oh, yes, of course. I'll set it right over here on the... Hmm. Hey, wait a minute. What are you going through my pockets for? Oh, just accepting a small tip for bringing up your breakfast. Thank you. If only half of what Oscar said was true, it was conceivable that he could be of help to me. I checked with the hotel manager and the local police. They knew Oscar well and told me that he pretty much lived on the occasional American tourist who showed up. That he acted as guide, chauffeur, pilot, anything for a price. That he could be trusted implicitly by whoever happened to be paying him at the moment. And, which was important to me, he knew the country and its people inside out was a font of information about anything and anybody. So I decided to let him tag along for a while. The Federal Maritime, uh, well, the equivalent of our Coast Guard, had headquarters in the harbor area, and I found a captain there who spoke fair English. I'm sorry, Senor Dollar, but you know as much as we do. We sent a boat, of course, but we find no sign of the sea legs or the poor people who go down with her. Nothing. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of going up to Porto Gardo, where she took off on her last trip, you know. Excellent idea. From there, you can uh, fly out to the Boldaro Islands where the wreck did occur. Well, that's what I was thinking of. But in addition to an airplane, you must uh, also need a pilot and a guide. You have someone to suggest? I see. There is but one. Senor Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pascaro. Precisely. Item 9, 20 cents American for a three-mile ride and an old Model T Ford to the little private airstrip where, true to his word, Oscar had rented an almost brand-new two-place plane for us. He had it warmed up and ready to go. So fasten your belt, Mr. Dollar, relax, and enjoy it until you take off. You sure you can fly this thing, Oscar? Ha! I am the finest pilot in Nicaragua, maybe in the whole world. I'm even a co-pilot. Yeah. Just how much is the use of this plane costing me, Oscar? For me, a special rate, so don't worry about it. Here we go, into the... How mile. much? Well, the usual price is $35 a day, American. But me, I always have a deal. And that's on account of I give the field so much business. So now that that is said... Oscar, how much? 
$45 a day. Uh, do you see what a beautiful view we have from... 45 Look, the bay and the Caribbean on one side, and the flat, empty marshes and plains on the now other. Now, wait a minute, look. There, $35 a day is a regular rate, what's so special about 45 for me? Oh, no, Mr. Dollar. For me... Surely you wouldn't expect the finest pilot in the whole entire world to work for nothing. Why, you... Okay, okay. But what took you so long getting to the airfield, Mr. Dollar? Oh, a couple of calls I wanted to make us all. Why? Why? You have disappointed me. And all the time I thought you had the uttermost confidence in me. Now, what's that supposed to mean? First, you tell me you do not want the lady to know you're awake and up and going. Mrs. Lanfear? Yes. And then what happens? You tell her all about it. What makes you think that? Why else would she come tearing out to the airfield while I was waiting for you? Wait a minute. She rammed herself a plane and take off in it. What? She took off just a couple of minutes before we did. Connie Lanfear, chartering a plane. Why? And to go where? And after her offer to stick by me and help me, why would she do it without letting me know? There were a lot of questions to be answered in this case, and most of them to be answered by Connie Lanfear. Here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, the sea, the rocks, and dear old Mother Nature bring some pretty startling facts to light. And the case takes a sudden twist. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote this week's story. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. There is no question but that Connie Lanfer is madly in love. The problem is she's in love with the boat. Uh, her trying to sell her being on the flight to Nicaragua as a big coincidence is unconvincing, to put it mildly. Now, Oscar's an interesting character. Long-time listeners will remember The Man Called X, and that Jack Johnstone was the last director of that series. And it feels like he 
created a character that was kind of based on Leon Velasco's character of Pagon Zelschmidt. Some of Oscar's phrasing was even uh, similar, you know, with a, a good substitute for Pagon's uh, request for a slight consideration, of course. In addition to being like Pagon, Oscar has that genuine Russo-Irish-Mexican heritage that really adds something to a character. Now, Oscar makes a reference to Johnny being famous, and it's worth noting that the idea that Johnny's adventures are on the radio in-universe hasn't been introduced yet as it would be later in the Johnstone era. So here I just interpret that as Oscar puffing Johnny up to get the soft touch. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And uh, this uh, question by email from Derek, who writes, Adam, can you tell me what is the suspenseful music in Johnny Dollar? It's four of the same notes with a pause than the four notes again. It just happened while Johnny was on the boat and was seeing people he recognized, the star of Cape Town matter. Is it just for Johnny Dollar, or is it an actual song? Always gives me the creeps like something bad is about to happen. Thanks for the question, Derek, and I think that's definitely the intent. I don't think it's part of an actual popular song. Generally, with Johnny Dollar, there are two possibilities. First, it could be from a music library. And this was something that many programs, particularly on NBC, did starting in the 50s. You would buy the rights to use this library, various musical cues. And to this day, sound designers often use music and sound effect libraries for video games, audio dramas, and a whole lot of other projects. Another possibility is that this was an original bit of music that was composed by Ricardo Amarigo. So that's my best guess if anyone is aware of, say, what music library it came from, or if it's got a source outside of a music library. I mean, I've been wrong before. Uh, feel free to send me an email and let me know at box13 at greatdetectives.net. And then we go over to YouTube where Shane comments regarding the long shot matter. And he writes, I watched a documentary on eyewitness testimony. Human eyewitness testimony is horribly unreliable. It's an interesting uh, debate because I think oftentimes we have the idea that eyewitness testimony is the best possible evidence. And that physical evidence is merely circumstantial. In reality, there's a lot that can be fallible about eyewitness testimony, depending on a variety of factors. While in many ways physical evidence can be more reliable, there are also ways to make mistakes uh, with the collection of it. It can also lead to problems or misinterpretations. And it's a complex issue. I think that the only thing that I can offer is that everyone has to be diligent about making sure that we get things right, starting with the police officers who make arrests, prosecutors, courts, juries. 
and even organizations that look at and challenge potentially unlawful convictions have got a role in that process, like Earl Stanley Gardner, the creator of Perry Mason started an organization called the Court of Last Resort, who were neutral experts who would examine cases where people claim to have been wrongly convicted. All of that has a place. One really good episode of Dragnet, and I will spoil that so you may want to fast forward ahead, but we're not going to get to it for about a year and a half, so most people will probably forgotten what I spoiled. But in the there uh, an episode of Dragnet, Friday and his partner reached a very firm conclusion that a husband had killed his wife. And they were pressing him and they were going to get the confession and they took the case into Lee Jones in the crime lab and he just kind of took them through step by step and showed the reason you think he's guilty is you entirely misread the scene. You messed up. To me, that shows the type of diligence you need throughout the entire system. Now we go over to YouTube where I did a poll asking listeners their opinion on Stephen Dunn's run as Sam Spade. And so far, and this is with 119 votes in, and YouTube polls don't generally close, but 61% great, 26% good, and 13% fair. And some of the listener comments, Mike said he felt a little stiff at first, but I think that he grew into the role. Melanie said he did a good job, but had the disadvantage of coming after Howard Duff, who really managed to make the role his own, even coming after a great film star. Uh, Daryl said he had to fill big shoes. Howard Duff had made that character his own, but he did an admirable job taking over. Stephen Dunn was a talented radio actor. And then uh, Peter says, I really didn't think he'd come close to matching Howard Duff in this role, but I'm happy to say that I was wrong. Uh, a couple uh, listeners were a little less enthused. Ronser wrote, he had to replace a legend. He did okay, but Howard Duff will always be Radio Spade. Penny says, I'm hooked on Howard Duff. And Angel said, he did fine, but lacked the spark, the whimsy, the seeming bridled fierceness that Howard Duff had. The chemistry between Spade and Effie was not just effortless, but energetic when Lorene Tuttle volleyed Duff, less so with Dunn. Steve Dunn's voice was an astonishing match for his predecessors. Really astonishing. But 99 and a half just don't do. That the switch was obliged because the network caved to political correctness is a side story we don't have time for. And it's so, so bad that the larger world had plenty of time and inclination then and does now for it. I've give Dunn real high marks. He should have had his own show. Should never have been brought in as a scab, and it's not his fault. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the perspective, Angel, and I think there's a lot to what you said. Certainly, I, I think that Duff was a very hard act to follow, and he's still the actor most people will think of when they think of Sam Spade. Now, as to Dunn having his own program, he had actually had two before, both of which were not really good. 
And that was really down to the scripts and to the characters that he was given to work with. Donald, I think in Sam Spade, he got to show what he was capable of. And again, coming close to Howard Duff, that's an achievement and shows how strong an actor he was. And he certainly had the look. He had the personality, I think. And he did get some chances with being the host of the primetime TV version of Truth or Consequences. It's hard for me to understand why the public didn't connect with him more. So he more than having a great career, had a really interesting one with some really bad luck. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank James. James has been one of our Patreon supporters since August of this year, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, James. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Be sure to rate and review us wherever you download us from. We'll be back on Friday with the conclusion of this week's Johnny Dollar Serial, but join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... The night shift has been abandoned. Lack of material and equipment. What's being done about it? A train is on its way from Sivas now. Loaded with more than enough material for us to resume a full schedule. More trucks, tractors, cranes, spare parts, and so on. Good. Well, let's get down there. We go it on foot from here? Yes, down this path. Come along. This is the farthest point your road has reached? Yes. Just a moment, Mr. Mitchell. Yeah, sounds like... Hey, look out. Get back. Oh. I reach out full Marga off the trail as the first of the huge boulders roars past us. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. <laughs> you okay? Yes, I'm all right. Brother, that was a little too close for comfort. Another, shall we say, accident. Yeah, earmarked. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.